Well, what is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Overreaction Sports Podcast. I am your host, Joe Miller, and I am, as always, excited just to have you with me, whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee, in the car, driving to work, or at the gym with your AirPods on. Like I always tell you, it is just, it's a special honor. It's a special privilege just to have you listening to me. You've got a lot of choices. You've got a lot of options. And the reality is the fact for me that you're taking a little bit of time out of your day, your morning, your evening, whatever it is, away from your family, away from work, or just just trying to get through this offseason, the fact that you're spending that time with me uh, always, I just want you to know that I appreciate it. Again, my name is Joe Miller, and you can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. And today is a special day. Um, I'm really super excited. Uh, this is the first time on this show uh, that I've ever that I've ever had a special guest, and today with me I've got uh, Clayton Garrett, and Clayton Garrett is the host of the Overtime po- uh, podcast. He is also the co-host for the Cold Front Report. I'm sure that you have seen him on Twitter, whether or not you have listened to his to his his pod or seen the Cold Front Report. Um, I would tell you this: after you after you hear him talk today, after we we get done with this episode, you're going to want to tune in. You're going to want to 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 be tuned into what he has to say because for me personally there's just a connection there for the both of us Uh, but you can find him at CFR Clayton on Twitter again the overtime podcast the cold front report everybody welcome in uh, Clayton Garrett Clayton how you doing I'm good man thank you for having me on it's a pleasure yeah dude it's uh I've been looking forward to this we I think we talked about doing this for the first time about two or three months ago when we first connected oh yeah Um, yeah yeah it's always a process you know when when and, you know your podcast is relatively new, my podcast is relatively new, especially when you're just you're just figuring things out. You know, having a guest on, there's always technical things that you have to figure out, and what the, there's numerous avenues you can take. And you know, I'm just excited you had me on, and I'm it's, I'm it's a pleasure to be the first guest on your podcast. Honestly, yeah, dude, it's cool. So tell me, tell tell us for those of us for the listeners that I have that are not currently tuned into your show, tell us a little bit about your show. Uh, it's, uh, Jeff Uvino and I, and we're on the platform of the cold front report, the overtime podcast presented by the cold front report. And, you know, Jeff and I, we're both younger fans. I'm only 19. I believe he's 20. You know, he and I are only separated by a handful of months and he, he and I share very pragmatic views while also being younger fans, the younger fans that aren't really caught up in the nostalgia of the Super Bowl years. And this is the only way, cause this is the only way that worked or, and right. whatnot, like, it's just a different perspective. It's a different point of view. And he and I have a different way of thinking of things and going about things because, well, let's be honest, this is really the first time that Jeff and I have really experienced winning football. And no, we didn't do it. We didn't just sit there and say, you know, the bills are about to start winning. Let's just start a podcast because why not? Everybody else seems to do it. Right. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, I'm doing, I do it because it's fun. Jeff does it because it's fun. He and I both, we, we're both college students. We both grew up similar area in high school. We both went and played football in the same county. We both, I, I mean, hell, we go to school 45 minutes away from each other right now, even in college. You know, Jeff and I, we have a lot of fun with it. You know, sometimes it's unfiltered. Sometimes it gets, he and I start arguing. And, it, it, you know, if, if you really want to find out, come tune in. You know, we always... I'm always engaging with people on Twitter. If you tweet at me, if you tweet at him, we'll definitely tweet back at you. I mean, we have plenty of time, but we're still busy. So, yeah, it's just a fun time. You know, I, I appreciate it if I, I everybody tuned in. Yeah, that's cool. I There's there's a very cool aspect, or I should say perspective, from the younger fan. 
Um, and I remember when the Bills basically, I, I think it was the week that we got to 10 wins when it, like the big hubbub. And I did a big thing on my show as well, just about like what it meant to be at 10 wins and how old you had to be to remember 1999. I think 99 was the last time the Bills were at 10 or was it 96? I think it was 99. One of those years. Was it 99? It was I, like, I, I mean, I wasn't born. I can't. <laughs> right. Right. So like going, working backwards as far as like, okay, so 99 is, you know, is, is 21 years ago. So right. you had to be at least 20, what, eight now to like eight years old back then to remember the bills, maybe being at 10. And would you remember like, so that I'm thinking about my daughter, my, my youngest daughter, who's 10. And it's like, I'm not sure that she would remember like at 10 years old, this bill season and she doesn't watch a ton of football, but a little bit. So you think about when you're kids. So for me, like that younger perspective is actually pretty cool because yeah, you're seeing something that you've never seen before in this bills team. Right. Right. And we, he and I both have interesting opinions. We both do a ton of homework. We both take a ton of pride in what we do. You know, we're not going to sit on the mic and waste your time. You know, if anybody that decides to listen to us, we want you to tune in. We want to be engaging. We all, we will have a. We, so we tried this one question of which team will win a which Buffalo oriented team would win a championship first with apparent leaders at the helm. And no, I'm not going to say that the Josh bandits. Allen. Yeah, <laughs> the bandits. That, the band. That's you know that's that's kind of mean. I'm not going to lie. That's kind of mean to all the Saber fans. But I would. I'm, <laughs> that's kind of really mean. It was it was who would win a championship first, Josh Allen and the Bills. Or Jack right. Eichel and the Sabres. Like, stuff fun like that. Like, engaging stuff. Like, just random things that people won't typically think about. It's just a random thing. You know, I said the Bills. Jeff said the Sabres. We both had an argument. It was a 45-minute discussion that we had originally planned for one pod. Had to move it to another pod. But, yeah, I mean, we have fun like that all the time. Yeah, and I think you bring a different perspective, too, because you played, right? So, um, yeah. there's, 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 there's something about the science of football. And there's something about the – so, the, I've said this on my show before. Uh, football is the only sport that gets harder and you can speak to this, that gets harder as you like go up in levels. Like I played, I played baseball or football when I was younger. I never really got like, so when I was in 10th, 11th, I think I quit playing football in the ninth grade. Um, Mm -hmm. I gravitated towards baseball in the 11th and 12th grade. I started playing a lot of volleyball and I know that sounds weird. Um, but I, and I ended up playing and coaching in college volleyball. Uh, but all the sports that you can play, so even if you took baseball, for instance, you know, baseball is the same in high school as it is in college, as it, as it is in the pros. The difference is the athletes are just bigger and they're better. Whereas football, the science gets different. And I love I love sitting in I love sitting and watching football specifically with with people that, that, that played on, on the lines, because mm-hmm. that's where everything starts. And that's where the beginning of like being able to dissect a play what's about to happen based on what you see a guard doing or what you see a defensive tackle doing or the end or, you know, a left tackle or something like that. So I I love the fact that you kind of have that knowledge. It puts you, in my opinion, a little bit ahead of where a lot of the, we'll just call them the nerds are, right? The, The guys that are just basically reading stuff and trying to figure out the science of football based on what they've seen, what they've read versus what they've played. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of things that goes into offensive and defensive line play. I play both. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about various success of either season or my high school days because I didn't, I mean, I, I ran into issues with concussion problems and Ooh. I'm not going to get into the extent of that, but it got so bad to the point where, you know, football was my ticket. You know, that was my ticket. I wasn't, I wasn't an accelerating student. I didn't really like school. I didn't really try my hardest. I didn't, I, I'll be honest, I did not apply myself. So mm. football was really my ticket to any kind of, you know, I mean, we live in a society nowadays where, the, the typical opinion is you need to go to college to be successful. I didn't really say, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's my opinion. 
I don't really have an opinion one way or not. I'm just saying that seems to be the way a lot of people think nowadays. And I wanted to go to college to study what I wanted to study, and that being welding. So that was really my ticket. So I needed to get to school, and football was my ticket, but I couldn't play. So I had a Mm. bit of a situation on my hands. And, you know, playing line, I I loved it. I coached it. And, you know, coaching as early as one year after graduating high school, assisting, assisting in the weight room. There's a lot of things that goes into football that a lot of people don't really think about. You know, for a lot of these kids, the season should start the day that it ends or the day after it ends. You know what I mean? Like, because that's the kind of mindset you have to have, you know, to be a winner. You know, there's all sorts of things that goes into it. You know, whether it be leadership, whether it be work ethic, whether it be being on time, eating the right foods, there's so many things that go into it that a lot of people don't typically see. And you're absolutely right. It does get harder as the levels go up. And, you know, I can't really speak to it from experience, but I know I have a lot of close friends that have played college ball and one Mm. that even got close to the pros one day that, you know, they can speak to it. It is an extremely difficult sport. And, you know, the, the odds are always stacked against you. But, you know, that's kind of the fun, challenging part of it at the same time. Yeah, it's, it, I think what gets lost for us sometimes is just the, the 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 guy that doesn't make the NFL team in camp or coming out of you know coming out of the preseason is like point one percent like of the population in the sense of like terms of athletes like his ability. You're right. talking about a guy that's like six foot four, three hundred pounds, and is coming downhill at you like <laughs> running faster like, than I can think run. Think of it this way: <laughs> Th- that guy that got cut from an NFL team might not be able to make it in the professional football league, but at the same time, you could be a, he could be a college legend or he could be a high school legend. Like you don't know their stories. You don't always know these guys that just so happen to not make it. And and I I think anybody that's ever played football or at least sniffed those levels, sniff the level of the college game, sniff the level of the pro game even can say that they didn't dream of one day making the league because you know that I'm sure everybody does. Everybody does. There's no reason for any kid to ever say that I can't do it. And those kids that do say that, and they, they more time, they never will make it. You know, you cannot have any doubt in your mind. You know, just sometimes things aren't meant to be. Everybody has their path. And if football isn't yours, that's not detrimental to your life or your career. There's always a path for everybody. Yep. No, it's true. So I would, I would tell everybody listening to this show, if, if, if you need a reason to listen to, to Clayton and Clayton's show, uh, you just got it. Like the dude knows what he's talking about. He's lived it. He's 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 been a part of enough of it that he's not just speaking based off of other stuff that he's seen, read, or glanced at. Um, he's 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 been down this road. So so Clayton, thank you so much, bro, for just being here today. Um, I'm excited to get into this show and kind of get into these notes. And and what I have for you is just kind of a, a quick question. And this is the question that I have for you with with 2019, the Buffalo Bills 2019 season in the rearview mirror. Uh, this is my third off-season show. We're into March. We're two weeks from free agency. Mm-hmm. Right now, in like if you just think of 2019, what sticks out to you as the biggest surprise about the 2019 Buffalo Bills? 2019 Buffalo Bills. The biggest surprise? Yeah. Honest to goodness, to me, is the optimism. The optimism, because like I, like I touched on, of the younger fan perspective, we don't. I don't really know what this feels like. We're going into the 2019-2020 offseason not needing a quarterback, almost seemingly Mm. without any doubt of who will Mm. be the starter next year and the year after that. Mm. That, That's not even a surprise. It's just from a long-term point of view, it's just it's a relief because now we can sit back and watch this general manager and this head coach build upon the foundation that they have set for what is hopefully a successful football team for years to come. Yeah, for sure. Did you want Josh Allen coming out of the draft? No. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely not. I was at my, I was at my gas station job. I was watching on my phone as I, as I stocked the coolers and then I turned off my phone. I was so upset. I turned off my phone. I don't, I never turn off my phone unless it dies, which it happens quite often, but I, I turned off my phone. I put it in my pocket and I didn't get out for another two hours. And I missed the Tremaine Edmonds pick. Oh, I, I, I was a Josh Rosen fan and I could not be happier about being wrong. Dude, it's it's weird because we have we have so many parallels. It's kind of strange because I'm I was in that same camp, but I don't think that I was a Josh Rosen fan as much as I knew there was no shot at Darnold and Baker. So it's like, yep, the, 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 like we're not getting those two guys unless the Bills do something stupid like they did with Sammy and trade up and 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 then give away the farm. So then it turned into it's like you know the Allen versus you know Josh Rosen, and I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to wait two years. I didn't want to wait three years. I didn't, you know, I saw the film between Rosen. I saw the film between Allen. I saw what they could both do. Rosen was clearly to me in my ignorance, you know, the, the more pro ready prospect where Allen flashed crazy talent. Mm -hmm. But when you hear like this dude's got like all the talent in the world, but when you, when you want to talk about a project, this kid's going to have to be built from the ground up. I'm like, I'm out. I don't want that. Right. Right. Because us bills fans were so caught into the, you know, we've been losing for 20 years. Why can't we win now? What's stopping right. us from winning now? And why would you draft a quarterback like that? Okay. But I think something we fail to realize when talking about this regime, and it's something that I think back on on numerous occasions, is regardless of who's playing quarterback for the Buffalo Bills while ever since Sean McDermott was hired, he always gets the most out of the roster. He, he always does. gets the most out of the team on both sides of the ball. And, you know, we, we've seen some pretty bad play. You know, we saw the six and ten or the nine and seven year with that 2017 roster. Everyone's saying they're tanking after they trade Marcel Darius, Ron Darby, Sammy Watkins. That whole year when when they virtually gutted the the, the biggest names of the, on the team and they managed to find a way to go nine and seven and make the playoffs. And then yep. they go six and ten. When personally, I thought that was a two win football team with the rosters that they had made, and and they just like we said, bit the bullet and ate the cap and the dead cap and whatnot. And they got six wins out of that football team with a rookie quarterback who had to start. What? Oh no, he missed a handful of games after getting hurt against Houston. But he he virtually had to start after the second half of the Ravens yep. game in Week One. Yep. They really didn't yep. have any kind of established plan going forward after the first half of the Ravens game in Week One, and that was a very scary sight. If you told yeah. me at halftime of that game that they would end up winning six games, I would say, well, that's very underwhelming, but I'd be impressed. <laughs> and then you see them win a season in which they go 10 and six, but they very easily could have won 11 games in my opinion. If that, if that week 17 game had not something against the New York Jets. Oh, for sure. They had, they had plenty of opportunities. It's funny. You know, it's the whole, you know, where were you when moment, you know, so like nine 11, you know, everybody knows where they were when, you know, when nine 11 happened and there's, there's, mm -hmm. there's sequences and events in our lives where that stuff happens. I literally, and I, <laughs> too much information. I was sitting on the toilet in my house. Like when I read the tweet, the tweet that we had traded Ron Darby and Sammy Watkins. And literally I was like, what? Like what, what, uh, what, like what's going on? Like it, it, it threw me for a loop and they were right. I mean, at the end of the day, they haven't made, they, 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 they whiffed on the Kelvin Benjamin thing. Um, and they, they, you know, they, there have been very few mistakes, but by and large, they've been right with almost every decision they've made. Right, and that's something that we just aren't used to. That goes back to the original statement of this stuff is really just, I mean, un, un, unexpected territory. Or I wouldn't even say unexpected, but it's a place that we haven't seen the Bills be in a very long time. And, you know, we could sit here and talk about how difficult the schedule is or who they should or who they shouldn't add. 
but this is really an opportunity for us to sit back and really just enjoy this. This is really sure. an opportunity for, and I'm not saying that's what I'm going to do, but I'm just saying <laughs> that this is the first time in a long time where we're no longer saying, oh, let's finally make the playoffs. Let's finally do this. Well, we're finally talking about what do the Bills have to do to become a Super Bowl contender rather than just a playoff contender? Right. No, that's that, that, that's and and I think that's the, you that literally that's the optimism. Like there's it's 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 not only are like are the, is the team good, but you know when you factor in and filter in like the fact that it seems like all these guys love the city. So not only Josh Allen loves Buffalo, but like Sean McDermott. Love I know people close to Sean McDermott. Like he loves this town. Brandon Bean is standing at the podium, like swearing at the press for what people think of Buffalo because he's bought into this city. There's just mm-hmm. it's just different. And the goal is. And everybody knows that the goal is the Super Bowl. Whether or not they make it, we don't know. But there's something being built here, and there's something really cool. And this is actually a super, super good segue. Um, I want to talk about free agency. Um, we are, as I said a couple minutes ago, two weeks away, almost literally to the day from when free agency opens. It opens on March 18th, which I'm sure you know. But for the listeners that don't, it opens on March 18th. And I don't, I don't want to say that this, fran- this, this organization seems asleep at the wheel. I don't want to accuse them. I don't want to, because clearly I just said a second ago, they haven't made many mistakes. They've made a couple, but they haven't made many. Um, But when you look at, you know, losing Olsen on a seven, on a one year, $7 million deal. um, I, I was a big fan of bringing in Olsen. I had a couple shows about it. I know there's a lot of people that weren't Uh, AJ green is about to get franchised. There's nothing we can really do that. The fact that the Bengals might pay him $19 million. I don't know what you feel about that, but I don't think AJ Green's worth nineteen million dollars. So, I, I wouldn't say he's worth nineteen million dollars. I'd be I'd be happy to sign him for anywhere between eight to eleven. But I right. I, I don't know what I, I see what they're kind of trying to do, but they're putting themselves in a very unfavorable position. Yes, you're about to add a franchise quarterback with the first overall pick. I understand right. that, but that franchise quarterback, as we've seen with Sam Darnold thus far, isn't really worth much when he's behind a an atrocious offensive line and that's exactly the case that they have there right right for sure and so so everything i mean for me everything was tied up in olsen i i could make seven Mm -hmm. argues or or i could make seven arguments as to why olsen was a good opportunity and a good fit for this team and i love dawson knox so don't get the wrong idea you know i could i could do without tyler croft and you flip him out flip out lee smith now we lost him so and i don't know if the bills how in play they were seven you tell me eight doesn't get him right i mean it's if it's a bidding war, seven and a half doesn't get him. I don't know. AJ Green, we're not going to get to find out where that would, would have even gone. And then Yannick Ngakwe comes out. He's getting franchised. So there goes pretty much everybody's offseason plans, right? Because Yannick is getting <laughs> franchised. And we're not we're not trading a first round draft pick for this guy, right? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't assume so. I think we're going to see a situation similar to what we saw last offseason with Frank Clark and uh, D Ford. But um, with Greg Olson. Really, I wouldn't. Jeff had a very interesting view on this, and we talk about this with offensive free agency breakdown. And you know, this upcoming episode, we're going to have a defensive free agency breakdown. But that, but with Greg Olson, really, I see the value. I see the value, and I was, I was a huge proponent of bringing him in because simply because I saw him as more valuable than Tyler Croft. Because Tyler Croft, really, you're paying almost the same exact dollarly amount right. for a higher right. quality leader a higher quality teammate, a higher quality football player, even whether, you know, they, they both have injury history. They both have injury problems. So what's the point in not having a very well-known quality leader in your locker room? I understand why they really didn't see the value in bringing him in. I under, I, I mean, I can't even honestly say that maybe that maybe that wasn't where they wanted to be. Maybe they want Tyler Croft on the roster 
for 2020. We don't really know. We can't really say for sure. But I did see the value in bringing in Greg Olson. However, I don't think it's detrimental that they weren't able to add. Yeah. So this team, I don't want to say this team, I don't want to say this, this team or this, this, this management team falls in love with guys and they're, they're, you know, I don't want to say faithful or loyal to clearly this is a business. They know this is a bit, this is a business. They obviously let shady go last year. Um, Mm -hmm. But it seems like there's a little bit of a, you know, Adrian's getting it, you know, LA's getting it. Like they did, they could have just released him on an injury settlement and let him walk. Uh, but they're keeping him close to the, you know, close to the organization and Tyler Croft, same thing. They've nursed this guy along. So they see something in him. Who knows if they could have, obviously we, he visited. So they had some interest. Who knows what that interest level was, but you know, if Olsen shows up, you know, does Tyler Croft go? I don't know, but the bills seem to be not enamored, but they seem to, they're, they're nursing this guy along, right? I mean, they, they you know, right. the, the injuries through last season and stuff like that, they kind of knew what he was getting, what, what they were getting when they got him. I mean, he was coming off an injury the year before. Um, but as far as just being asleep at the wheel, I need to know what's going on with Shaq Lawson. I need to know what's going on with Jordan Phillips. And for God's sakes, we're two weeks away from free agency. Why is Quentin Spain not being talked about? What is going on? I mean, I don't, let's start with Quentin Spain because Quentin Spain, I thought, if you're going to re-sign a handful of free agents, because there weren't many free agents, there were like three or four guys. You got Kevin Johnson, you got Quentin Spain, Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson. Those are really the quote-unquote big names for the Bills that were coming up as unrestricted free agents. And right. Quentin Spain, I thought, was the priority to re-sign. I wasn't, Agreed. I'm far more in favor to sign Quentin Spain over all of those other guys, to be quite honest. But Agreed. I can honestly understand why they would opt not to, because – you're looking at a situation where you have guard tackle flexibility with Cody Ford. And that's really what virtually all of the offensive line decisions are contingent on this offseason, to be quite honest, is do they feel like their second round pick that they had traded up for last year in the NFL draft is capable of play is going to long-term play inside attack or inside a guard or outside a tackle. And I think he progressed as the season went along. He was far better for sure from when the season sure. started to when the season ended. I saw in, an ad, or admirable improvement from Cody Ford. For Absolutely. Sure. But I think I, I don't, I, I cannot deny that I believe he'd be a best suited to play guard. And there are numerous, there's a lot of free agents that are going to be available. I mean, Trey Turner is even available in a trade and he's, he's used to playing inside at guard, but you could acquire him and play him at tackle. And same thing with his former teammate, Daryl Williams. He's going to be on the market again this year. Right. Brian Balaga, right. Jack Conklin. There's a handful of names and I'm sure there's a handful of draft prospects as well that could be targeted to play right tackle long-term for the Bills. So I feel like they've really kind of made the decision of they'd rather have Cody Ford play inside a guard rather than outside a tackle, and they're going to target tackle in either free agency or the draft. Interesting thought, and I I have a a follow-up to that, but I want to ask first. So I think they're going to bring L.A. back. I think that the Adrian is coming back, um, yep. coming off that injury. I, I think they like him. I think, believe it or not, as much as people don't like his wife, um, I think she's great. And I think the bill, I think the Bills organization, I think they just love just kind of her presence in social media and kind of out there. Um, I think she represents our fan base well, and I think the Bills like him. Um, Ty and Secchi, we have one. Is is he done, or do we have one more year with Ty? Do you know? I, I can't I remember. Th- I, I think we, he signs for another season. I he I'm signed sure. so so, so he signed so he yeah so he signed for another season so 
my thought was in letting Quentin Spain go about a month ago was exactly what you said, moving Cody Ford inside. And then you're going after, you're either drafting a tackle or you've got Ty Inseki or you've got LA or you've just got a contingency plan there. But here's my, here's what I want to ask you. So last year, Brandon Bean did something and we've all talked about it. He brought in 19, was it 19 free agents? Something like that was the number. It was insane. Right. Which is something that you don't see organizations do. And there can, there's been a lot of conversation about consistency and fluidity as it pertains to, you know, uh, 10 new starters or nine new starters on the offense and what that means and blah, blah, blah. I don't buy into a lot of that. You have played football a lot more than I have played football. You might be able to speak to it, but by week 17, week 16, week 15, like that, that offensive line should kind of know what, what each other are doing. In my opinion, I could be wrong, but that's just my opinion. Here's my question. Is Brandon Bean going the opposite direction this offseason than he did last offseason? And what I mean by that is this. We know that tampering is against the rules. However, we know that tampering happens. You don't have free agency open up at 401 on March 18th and have guys signing at 402 multi-year contracts for $75 million. Like it just obviously there was conversations happening. And I think they now have a period where they can somewhat start talking to each other. So it kind of opens up that door to be somewhat legal in inside of what used to be not legal. So this is my question. Are the bills getting ready to make a move for something big, like a big splash? And the guy that I'm wondering about is Andrew Norwell. I mean, I would not be shocked. I, I wouldn't be shocked because when you look at the holes on the football team, they're not, there's not many of them and we, we it's strange to talk about it like that but there's a few like contingent pieces that the bills are missing you know they have a they need a right tackle they need a wide mm-hmm. receiver they need an edge mm-hmm. rusher there's marquee positions that they're missing so sure. i think that this offseason we're going to see them pay somebody whether it's trey white whether it's unique and whether it's andrew norwell whether it's whether it's aj green some way shape or form I think we're going to see them pay somebody. So I, uh, I honestly believe that your suspicion is right on track. Well, it's what it's uh, Amari Cooper's out there. Um, obviously, what Hunter Henry? Not Hunter is it Hunter Henry that's out there? Yeah, no, Austin Henry. Hooper. Austin, uh, Austin. No, Hunter, Henry's getting franchised. Austin Hooper, right? So yeah, Austin, Austin Hooper's Hooper. also. Yeah, he's also out there. There's just guys out there, and and I don't, I don't know that Brandon Bean is like. No, this is who he is. So Tom Donahoe was Tom Donahoe, you know, and like, and the guys that we've had in the past, like, nope, that's who he is. And Doug Whaley is a wild card, but I, I think Brandon Bean is capable and willing to shift with kind of whatever the landscape is giving him. So I'm just wondering if we're going to see something different to your point, there's holes in this team, but there's not big holes. There's not huge holes. Like they need a couple things. Um, obviously wide receiver for a lot of us is a big one. There's still some guys holding on to hope that Robert Foster is going to be something. Um, I'm not. So wide receivers, one edge rusher. We're seeing that everywhere that like the bills need an edge rusher, um, running back a second back or somebody to kind of play with Devin. There's just, and, and then obviously that guard or right tackle position. I don't know what the answer is. I'm just wondering if Brandon Bean is setting himself up or setting us up for that big splash. Holy crap. We just went and got that guy moment. And that's just, I'm just wondering. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it. I honestly expect it. I think they're going to pay somebody this offseason. I think somebody is going to get money. I mean, we look at the positions that they need. We talk about edge rusher. That's, that's borderline. Like that is the second highest paid football player on your football team. Really? Right. Behind, behind right. your quarterback, that's the highest paid football player on your team. So right. if they look to add a piece in a significant way at that position, then we very well are going to see them get handout 
a large sum of money. And personally, I understand there are varying opinions on this. I'm not going to sit here and say that drafting a defensive end in the middle or end of the second round or the first round, excuse me, is a waste of time. But I feel like defensive end is a position in which very similar to wide receiver that they need help now. They need somebody that's ready now. They need somebody that's proven in the league that doesn't need a learning curve, doesn't have a a rookie wall, doesn't have to learn a whole system, doesn't have to learn a whole new work schedule, doesn't have to learn a whole new city. There are two positions that they need the most. They need need help now. And if they're going to make a Super Super Bowl push, and if they're going to be a Super Bowl contender while Josh Allen's on a rookie contract, then I feel like they are best suited to add veterans rather than rookies. No, I I totally agree. And the interesting thing about the edge rusher piece, and I know that it has been talked about, we all have a love affair and it's a love hate relationship with Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is that guy, you know, pay him Hughes money. Like he's got a, he's a high motor guy. He's always in the middle of something. He never gets the holding call, even though he's held on almost every single play, but he also always commits that one stupid penalty. But the reality is, is Jerry's getting older. Now they did just extend him, right? So, but Trent Murphy's gone. There's no way they're keeping Trent Murphy. They're going to, they're going to pick that money back up. And then it's Shaq Lawson, who we kind of got a little bit of a threat that, you know, we're going to do what we can to keep Shaq, but we're not really hearing anything. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, to me, Shaq is more of a run defender, but you've played the position than a pass rusher. What is his fit? I mean, Jerry getting old, Trent Murphy being gone, What is, and it, Shaq's a rotational player as well. What is his fit on this defensive line? I mean, honestly... I feel like, but I don't, I don't feel, I feel like if he hit the open market, he knows he's going to get paid far more than Brandon Bean's willing to pay him. Sure. I, I, I feel like that is a well-known thing, but there's a lot that that's the thing about Buffalo right now. They're setting, there's a lot of pieces right there. There are a few pieces away. I'm not saying guys are more, more um, uh, encouraged to take a hometown discount, if you will, right. but I wouldn't be shocked by it. I wouldn't be shocked if they were to, opt out of Trent Murphy and keep Shaq Lawson for similar, if not slightly more money per season, because I feel like you're getting far more bang for your buck. If you were to do that, if you were to take that route, I mean, Shaq Lawson's younger, Shaq Lawson seems to be, uh, they, his teammates speak very highly of him. I wouldn't be shocked if that were the case, but I also know that it's a business. And I also know that these guys only have such a short window to make a significant amount of money. And I understand that these are amounts of money that to, to us average people, it's a lot like, like eight or 10 million. Like really guy, come on. That's not a big difference. I mean, that's that either way that you're, you're pretty loaded, but no, it's a big difference to these players. Yeah. And there is a lot. I wouldn't be shocked if he hit the open market, but I think one thing that everything is really kind of revolving around, that's really kind of holding everything up is the CBA. That's really holding everything up because there are things that are going to be placed in the CBA that are going to make players, more weary of the contracts they sign, more, you know, how long they extend for, if the CBA is going to be accepted or not. You know, players don't want to sign a contract with a team when they don't know the the the, the stability of the business that they work. That's actually a really good point because there's not a whole lot of action even around the NFL outside of the releases, the statements that were just made as, as far as who is potentially getting franchised and who's not. It's not like people are getting wrapped up. The franchise so, type it, might not even be around when this new CBA hits, it might not right. even be around in three years. So th- these players are getting franchise tag. This very well could be the last season. We see the franchise tag, you know, be a thing. That'd be crazy. That'd be really weird. What are your thoughts outside the box? And I've talked about this on the show. I don't think, I don't think that Tredavious white will ever be any cheaper than he is right now. 
Oh. What are your What are your thoughts about locking Trey up? Um, and I said it on a show either the last episode or a couple ago. You know, getting him into a five, six, seven year contract and drafting a cornerback at that twenty two spot, and then literally having two bookend cornerbacks and just shutting that defense down. Well, I mean, really, that's my preference. That that's oh, honestly, oh. honest to goodness, that's my preference. You just hit it, hit the nail on the head because I would love to lock up Trey White for five, six, seven years and then draft Christian Fulton. I would mm. love that. That is honestly my dream scenario. And at one point or another, that's what I said. Hey, sign in Gawkway, sign Agent Green. Obviously, that's a little bit off the table. You're going to have to go about that in different ways now. You're going to have to address the wide receiver position in a different way other than just signing A.J. Green off the open market. And you're going to, if you're going to acquire Unique and Gawkway, you're going to have to trade for him. So, really, that's a scenario that I, that I fell in love with. You sign a Gawkway, you sign A.J. Green, and you draft Christian Fulton. Yeah. And, yep. you, the, and I believe that's a Super Bowl caliber team. I'm, I didn't talk about the right tackle position yet. But I believe they have enough depth there to really be okay. I didn't expect them to not re-sign Quentin Spain. I wasn't really expecting that towards the end of the season. But that was really kind of the scenario that I was dabbling with the most. Yeah, it's it's just been it's just been strange that there has not been more. I don't want to say conversation. I there just hasn't. I just expected something by now, and it's it doesn't nothing. mean that it won't. There, there's it been quite literally nothing about anything. Right, right, and that's and that's yeah. So I mean. I get the Jordan Phillips or uh, yeah, the Jordan Phillips thing, as far as, you know, I, I have a feeling there was a backdoor conversation with Bean, who, you know, Jordan feels like he's worth some money, wants to go find out. Bean probably said, yeah, we, we can't get there. So, you know, go do your thing, bro. Um, but the, the loss, I was surprised they were wanting to bring Lawson back. And, and the reason I was surprised is because when I think of Sean McDermott and I think of him getting the most out of his players, let's be honest for a second. He had, he had Shaq Lawson for two years prior to 2019. And the only reason, that Shaq Lawson has said that he has had such a good year is because they didn't pick up his fifth year, which motivated him. Well, how much more motivation do you need? Like, I can't see a scenario where giving him $10 million a year is going to keep him motivated, Marcel Darius. So, I mean, I don't know. He just he just scares me a little bit. That's just a personal feeling. Right. That That's completely understandable. And, you know, it was about half or two-thirds of the way through the season. I had written an article on ColfermanReport.com a, a while ago. So, obviously, this is a while ago at this point where I was looking at the situation of Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson. And I really dived into it. And when I was looking at it, Shaq Lawson to be, I would, I always gave Shaq Lawson just sometimes an unearned amount of shit. I, I would, <laughs> I will, I will admit that I did not like to pick when it happened. And right. I thought he was lackluster on the field, but when looking at the issues that he had with injuries, when looking at the statistical growth that he's shown over the course of three seasons prior to this year, I honestly came away feeling uh, when I had to dive into it with an unbiased opinion, when I dove into it, I felt like he had growth and he had progression. He had linear progression that was stunted by injuries that was stopped Mm. by injuries on numerous occasions because you had the knee, you had the wrist and there was numerous occasions where he was showing signs of improvement, where he was on that, on that uphill climb. And he was going to, he was progressing very well, and then an injury set him back, you know. That and then this past off season, he wasn't struggling with an injury going into right. the, the 2019 off season last year. He wasn't struggling with an injury. All he had to do is prep, get ready, and stay in shape. And then we saw him have his best season. Now, obviously, that's in a contract year. That's after the team opted to not give him a fifth year option. And I, 
I agree with not giving him that fifth year option still to this day, whether he had a good season in 2019 or not. I don't believe it was a, it would have been a smart move. And, you know, they obviously didn't believe that either. So here we are. I, I would, that's why I say I wouldn't mind bringing back Shaq for slightly more than we currently pay Trent Murphy to play a similar rotational role. While at the same time, I'd understand if he left, whereas he could earn two or three more million dollars per season on the open market. Yeah, and he's he's definitely got more of a motor than Trent Murphy does. Trent Mur- I think Trent Murphy got more of the snaps this year, and it was just as much as he kind of came to life the last, what, two games of the season, and then in the playoff game he had the three sacks. I'm just – Trent Murphy for me was Deadwood. Like they're just – Lawson just flashed more in the, in the limited reps that he had, and there's just a fear that I hold – and, you know, it gets back to, like I said, a little bit of Marcel Darius. You give a guy $100 million and he just vanishes. And it, and it wasn't just here. Like, he got the, the Jaguars and, like, like that didn't motivate him either. The Bills kick him to the curb. And it's like, how, how, how does that not motivate you? I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But we'll see. A couple weeks. We're a couple weeks away from free agency. And, we're you know, all will be revealed. But right now, all the rage uh, seems to be the combine. All the rage seems to be uh mock drafts and I'm not a mock draft guy so people have asked me and it's just not something that I do I'm not that in depth into it um thoughts you got any mock drafts out there for us to look at oh, I, I I have zero I have approximately zero <laughs> mock drafts for you to see I'm not I'm not necessarily a fan of the mock drafts I never really have been I've never been a fan of them even from my I mean I understand I'm a younger fan even from my really young days like when I was getting to the nitty-gritty of football and I want I'm like Oh, well, what the hell is this? Like, I'm discovering all these things, and I'm just like, mock drafts. I'm like, so wait, I'm like, wait, this didn't actually happen? And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, hold on a second. I'm like, well, th- then why did they do it? Then why did they, what, what, what? I, I'm not saying there's no point in mock drafts. I understand why some people love to dabble in the, in the possibilities of the addition of this guy and that guy. But when you go to the extent of having mock draft simulators or draft simulators, if right, you will, right, right. where you can acquire a ton of draft picks like <laughs> like quite literally an unrealistic amount of draft picks in, in in certain routes to just acquire every guy that you may or may not like on on your football team it's just it gets to an extent of okay well then why do these exist like what is the point of these obviously i'm using an extreme example but it's to over it's to outline my point of you know i don't really like the whole fantasy thing i can sit here and talk to you about really about really a, no, I wouldn't. No, I, I. Excuse me, I use the wrong word for that. I enjoy fantasy football, but I don't enjoy the mm. whole. Well, this could happen. This could happen. This could happen, and then the Bills oh, okay, can get gotcha. this guy. That's gotcha. what I really mean. I, I enjoy gotcha. sitting here and saying, "Well, I'd love if the Bills did this. I'd love if the Bills acquired this guy." Oh, well, I don't really like this guy. I will sit here and have a conversation with you about certain individuals, but I sure. won't sit there and spend hours compo- composing this this mock whatever. Whether it's a mock draft, a mock offseason, whatever it may be, that is just not really how I choose to produce content, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Right about right about this time every single year, I start looking at who's out there and basically who's projected in like the first, you know, fifty picks, sixty picks, just so I can somewhat know. Because I remember this is gonna, I I hate this about myself, and I hate that I'm gonna admit this. I remember the year. Uh, that we drafted Eric Wood. And I wanted the dude that went to the Browns, and he ended up going to the Titans. Who am I thinking of? Kevin Moai. Not Kevin Moai. Uh, Alex. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, I know what you're Re- talking about. 
uh, I can't think of his last name, but regardless, there, there was a center that I wanted. The Bills needed a, needed a center. Alex and, Mack. And that's who you're talking Alex, about. Alex Mack, that's right. And the Browns took him, and I was pissed. And then the Bills took Eric Wood, and I was like, Eric Wood? Who the heck is Eric Wood? <laughs> and it turns out, he, I mean, Eric Wood's going to end up on the Wall of Fame. He is Buffalo. Like, Eric Wood is is going to go down. Like, you talk about young players that haven't been around a winning team. You've you've had players to latch onto, and Eric Wood is one of those guys, and he's going to be around Buffalo for ever I mean I don't know what it is so so I'm not super big into necessarily uh mock drafts and all that stuff and it, it's I don't watch college football there's a lot of difficult translation as it pertains to translating from the college game to the pro game the amount of Heisman trophy winners that you see that never made it in the NFL tells a story for me so there's an aspect for me that it's like it's it's voodoo like i don't want to sit here and like be wrong all the time and that's what's funny about mock drafts too you see these guys like put these mock drafts out there and then the bills pick a guy that they said that they would pick in the sixth round the only pick they got right and it's like i told you so and it's like <laughs> you got one right dude and it was the dude in the sixth round that's like not going to make this team probably right um but but yeah it's 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 i don't want to say it's silliness but well, you, it, it you seems started, you started your point with a combine yeah, you talk about the right, combine, right, and I think right, right. combines are important. It's absolutely important. It absolutely has a place. But don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say that the combine is the most important thing when scouting a football player. Yes, right. yes, you can prove that this guy is technically this fast when timed on a laser, even though those can be occasionally flawed, as we just saw. And yeah. you know, you, you can say, okay, well, this guy can bench press this for however many times, and he can actually jump this high. Okay, well. When you watch the tape, you'll see the tape. The tape will tell you the tale. The yep. combine can lie. There, yep. It's athletic testing, and athletic testing is all it is. You cannot use the combine as a sole example of I think I project this guy to be a good football player. He ran a four. He ran a four whatever. He's going to be a good football player because he ran a four whatever and jumped a forty whatever. You know, <laughs> the, it, there's just it's such a flawed system. Obviously, that's an extremity. As as was my previous point, but like, you know what I'm you know what I'm saying? Like, no, an, sure. athlete, an athlete can test like an athlete. I've seen athletes test like athletes with absolutely horrible film, but they're just good athletes, but they're not good football players. That has been the case so many times, and that's why you see players. That, I mean, there's a num there's numerous things that players have to account for when acclimating to the professional game. You are literally going from being playing amateur football to playing professional football. Sure. And that is quite a leap, obviously. And I just don't really see 40 times bench press reps, vertical jumps, broad jumps, all these, all these workouts Three really drills. being the most indicating factor of whether or not a player is going to be good when making that acclimation. Yeah, it's, it's funny, too, when you think about just uh, pro days are the worst. So everything is scripted. Every, every, everybody knows what's coming as far as the quarterback knows exactly what passes he's throwing and when. But it, it really comes down to what. So I'm six feet tall, and I believe my hand span is nine and a half or ten inches, and which is like the average hand span or what a quarterback, like the minimal that, a, that an NFL quarterback is supposed to have. So it's, it's literally that measurement. Like, I am not an NFL quarterback. Like, I can throw a baseball really hard, but I can't throw a football 60 yards. But meanwhile, you know, if, if a quarterback doesn't have a nine and a half inch wings, you know, hand spread, which came up this past weekend, what was it? It, it was uh, uh, Joe Burrow that was like, well, I guess I'm just going to go do something else now. And then Pat Mahomes, I don't know if you saw that, like responded to him and he was like, don't worry, bro, you got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was quite comical. You know, it, 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 it really it's like using analytics and old school data. It's like, you know, there's no right or wrong 
with either avenue. But using either to the extreme, you will always be wrong. You can never just use analytics. You can never just use dinosaur data. There's never, there's no right or wrong way to go about it except going to the extreme of both avenues. Right. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's dark. It, all of it is dark, darts on a dartboard. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way around it. Oh yeah. And it, what's interesting about even just mock drafts, some of the stuff, and I'm sure that you've looked at some, and you know, the Bills sitting at 22 guys I've seen linked. Uh, to the bills, uh, 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 I can't read my own notes. Uh, the, the the gross models kid, uh, the the edge rusher from Penn State. I don't know <laughs> if you've looked at any of his stuff. Um, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver. Jalen uh, was a Jalen Rager. Uh, uh, Rugs. I think I saw Kuiper actually had Rugs linked to the Bills. <laughs> Do you have an idea who you think where we're gonna go? Do you think it solely depends on what happens on March 18th with free agency? And Do you? That's exactly ahead. what it is. It's it's contingent of what happens at free agency. Because there are many avenues that the Bills can go. There, there, there are so many things that they can do. They, they can sign this guy, sign that guy, and they, all of a sudden they filled all their holes, and now they're at a position where they can draft best player available, and they end up drafting a running back. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. That it is, I'm not going to sit here and ponder, well, this could happen, that could happen, this could happen. We need this guy. We need this guy. Okay, well, guess what? If we sign, say, say the Bills sign, I don't know, Tajay Sharp. They no longer should be drafting a receiver maybe day one. And I understand Tajay Sharp isn't the best wide receiver that's going to be on the open market, but he's quietly a very good target in free agency, believe it or not. Tajay Sharp is is very quietly a very good target for the Bills in free agency. So there's a lot of things that the draft is contingent on. Like like look at the Frank Gore edition last year. That was one of the first signings that they had made at at the deadline or at – the free agency hit period had began is they signed yep. Frank Gore. And yep. obviously you sit there like, what the hell? You, you sign a 36 year old running back. You already <laughs> right. have LaShawn McCoy. I, I think Chris Ivory was still on the team for some way, for some reason. He was. And why are you adding Frank Gore? Okay. Well then guess what? When you draft Devin Singletary, all of a sudden it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I may have tweeted when they signed Frank Gore. I was like, I think I tweeted like, did they sign Frank Gore to have him retire a bill? Like, <laughs> <laughs> is this a one day contract? Like what the heck is going on? Am I weird when, when we're talking about drafting guys? So I hold, I hold stuff over. So like I carry, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I carry grudges, but I carry weight from the past. So when I think of, you know, Yitor uh, Gross Matos, like all I can think of uh, is the last time we took a Penn State defensive end who was oh, somewhat goodness. of a small project. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Aaron Mapin. And it's just like, uh, I think I want to stay away from that guy. And I know I, that's I, ridiculous. I mean, to be honest, even though I was a Sammy Watkins stan, I will admit I was a stan. I was a huge fan of Sammy Watkins. Sure. I would not be telling a lie if I wasn't scared to draft a Clemson wide receiver. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Honestly, yes, I – I feel like you are perfectly like in a place of somebody that analyzes the team where it's just like, well, I, I mean, you've, you've done it however many times. When are you going to figure out this shit just doesn't work? Right. Like, right. like the, the, obviously something is not wrong, right? Obviously that just because X player failed doesn't mean that this player is going to fail. Obviously it's exactly. not, they're not contingent of the of, of one another, but it's just a superstition. And obviously you're going to have superstitions about a football team that you've been rooting for for however long. Yeah, for sure. It, it's, it's a double whammy. Cause like, I, I don't know at your age, if you do you remember the Buffalo bills message board at all? 
message board. I, yeah. Uh, so the, the Buffalo Bills website, buffalobills.com had a message board and inside of that message board, and there was a ton of us there and a lot of us are on Twitter now and we kind of interact, but there was a simulation league, which is basically fantasy football on steroids. Like you literally draft an entire team uh, and, and then like you put in game plans. It's like, it's, it's ridiculous. And the year, the very first year we had it, when the rookie draft came, I ended up in that 11th pick and the guy I took was Aaron Maben. I didn't take him because I was a Bills fan. I took him because like that was where the dude was slotted. Like because the Bills took him at eleven, and I was drafting eleven, and the draft fell to me, and I took him. So it, like, and it just destroyed my simulation league. So I've got kind of a double, I don't know, a double X on Aaron Maben just for my own past, which is something that's ridiculous. I probably need to give this, you know, this 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 Motos or uh, Matos guy a little bit more of a chance than that. I was watching film on him today. Have you seen anything on this kid? Oh yeah, he's an incredible athlete. He's an incredible yeah, he's- athlete with incredible get off. Um, personally, I don't, I, I really am not in favor of, as I alluded to earlier, I'm not really in favor of targeting an edge rusher at the end of the first round. I don't feel mm. like you're getting the most bang for your buck when you're drafting mm. an edge rusher in that position at the draft. I feel like I'm not going to sit here and say that Daryl Williams is going to project to be the, the, the answer to these the defensive end blows. But as I said earlier in the show, I feel like they'd be better suited to target that position in free agency or via trade if it would right. to be for you and that's just how i feel that they would be best suited to target that position yeah we'll, we'll we'll have to reconnect whether it's on twitter or even on the show and just kind of see where we you know after free agency opens and just kind of see kind of how things are falling i'm excited Do you have plans for the draft Are you going to vegas is is your cold front cold front report group going to vegas oh no we're not going to vegas i wish i, I mean that vegas isn't nearly as fun when you're not 21 as so i <laughs> but 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 I, I believe we're going to do something similar to as we did last year. Uh, we had a pre-show and then we had a post-reaction show. So I, I believe we're going to be doing something similar. Um, on, loca- I, I, on location somewhere? On loca- no, not on location. It'd just be a yeah, live stream on our Facebook page. Um, yeah, be sure yeah. to go like that, Cole Front Report, Cole and Buffalo Bills News. And yeah. uh, for the second day of the draft, I may have some plans in the works with a certain network that will be uh, announced at a later date. But Ooh. yeah, it'll, it'll, be a fun, it'll be a fun It'll be a fun couple of days. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, Buffalo Fanatics. Some, some, of, the, some of the Buffalo Fanatics guys are going out. And uh, I don't know if we're going to do anything necessarily in town or not. If I might find, I usually, I usually have a get together with, with just the boys. Like we just get together and, and hang out, some, just me and some friends, and we watch the draft. I don't know, but last year I didn't have this crazy podcast thing that was kind of working out. So I don't know what what's necessarily going to happen for for me this year. But I love Vegas. Like I'm a big I'm a big Vegas fan. Old Vegas, New Vegas. I prefer Old Vegas, but I'm a, I'm a pretty big Vegas fan. But uh, well, well, okay. Love- well, when I when I make the trip to Vegas, because I will make a trip to Vegas one day. Okay. Well, one day I will make a trip to Vegas. Where should I go? First place I go. Old Vegas. Old Vegas. Oh, okay. new. So, if you go to the strip, the strip is awesome, right? So, here's my totally tangent moment of the week. Maybe um, the strip is awesome, but the problem with the strip is like you've got the big, giant, beautiful hotels, the Bellagio. You got to see the fountains of Bellagio, but everybody's walking up and down the strip, and like all the shops on the strip that are just off are like stupid, like crazy expensive places, like expensive purses. Like you can't shop at any of these places, you know. But the hotels are beautiful. When you get to Old Vegas. It's basically there's there's a giant sidewalk in the middle of of the whole entire thing. There's an LED uh, a panel above your head that like this canopy that goes like that stretches the entire distance. There's live bands out there. There's literally bars on the sidewalk. Like there's people playing cards, blackjack and what whatever. Like literally like right at the door. Old Vegas is just a totally different experience uh than than the strip is. The strip is cool. That's where all the big hotels are. But Old Vegas is like you'll leave Vegas 
saying, man, we got to go back to Old Vegas. Old Vegas is just cool. It's just a, it's just a way more vibey place to be. All right, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be sure to check Old Vegas, Vegas the day I make it there. You sure. take a lot of pictures. There's a lot of weird, a lot of weird people walking around Old Vegas too. So you might get a kick out of. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll put it on Twitter. I'm sure we're gonna have an excellent time. And, w- and when I have an excellent time in Old Vegas, I will tag you, and I will post pictures of how much fun I am having. And I get. And yes, they will be appropriate. I'm not going to say. I never put anything I'd regret on the internet because I've never had a bad tweet before. Just like, just like anybody else. But yeah, that's funny. I, I will tag you and let you know how much fun I am having. And credit. And if Old Vegas is what I enjoy the most, I will definitely credit you. Dude, I've deleted so much stuff on Twitter this week. I put the post out there. Like, I think you 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 commented on it that I hate Twitter this week. The amount of stuff that I've tweeted and deleted because it's like I just don't want that on Twitter. Like I'm like I'm just. It's just been a bad week for me. Oh, for I, I've been there. I've been there. You know, I, <laughs> I, I. It wasn't that long ago. I got locked out of my original Twitter account that I had. had I, I don't remember how many followers I had. I don't think it was anything like like really significant like oh, oh my gosh you lost this account that had 20,000 followers no I had like 700 followers but that was a time where it was just like I was really putting out content I was really just grinding Twitter and I was right, right. like trying to do what I could to gain followers and whatnot and then the next thing I knew I forgot my password I was getting <laughs> locked out and I didn't have any kind of way to get my Twitter back I didn't have my email confirmation I didn't have a phone number confirmation this is why parents that are listening you don't let your children create twitter accounts you don't let them create right. social media accounts because i was i think i was like 12 or 13 years old when i created that account and that's why i wouldn't put it like oh password i'll never forget <laughs> my password why would i i oh yeah and then the, then the day you forget your password and you get locked out of your account well you're screwed <laughs> it was what it was whatever girl that you had a crush on at the time in one two three four wasn't it i mean oh, isn't that how that no, works no, no it was <laughs> <laughs> i don't, I don't remember i don't remember what it was obviously <laughs> That's funny. Well, you can at least you have plausible deniability. That's not me. This is my Twitter account. I don't know who that other Clayton Garrett guy is. So if you ever become famous and there's something on there that <laughs> that you couldn't delete, you can at least deny that it wasn't you. Oh, that, um, that account's gone. That account is. That, oh, oh, they purged it. It has vanished. I've tried to gotcha. find it to find something old that I wanted to find and refer to, but it has vanished. Yeah, they, they're going through and they're purging a lot of accounts now, which is interesting and, and probably kind of cool. You wanted to talk to me about Brian Dable. So I've had a lot to say about, about Brian Dable. But one of the things is we were kind of setting this up today um, you, that you wanted to talk about was Brian Dable. So we haven't really chatted necessarily. And all I have in my notes is Brian Dable. Um, what do we want to talk about as it pertains? I got a lot of opinions. I got a lot of takes about Brian Dable to include that the dude couldn't find flow if he fell in a river. So I don't know what I don't know what you think about Brian Dable, but I'm here. I'm here. You can ask me some questions. I mean, I, I was in the camp of I didn't believe he should keep his job after the 2019 season. Me. I didn't. I, I was rooting that he'd get a Cleveland job. I was rooting that he'd get whatever job that they'd hire him for. Because simply because I feel like he didn't do a good enough job with the offense he was given in 2019. You look at the yeah. amount of investment that they allocated to that side of the ball. And, you know, we, we sit here and say, oh, they're, they're a defensive coach team. They, they, they draft defense. They sign defense. They're only worried about the defense. Well, right. in reality, they had three day one or day uh, three picks in the first two days of the draft last year right. allocated to the offense. They right. have $55 yeah. million dollars in free agency allocated to the offense. When you, and, it, you know, it adds up real quickly. You look at the players, you look at, Yes, Tyler Croft, I understand that was a dog, but you know, they signed Tyler Croft to semi-significant money. You, you signed Cole yep. Beasley. You signed, you signed Frank Gore. You draft Evan Singletary. You signed John Brown. You make all of these uh, – I mean, and they were appropriate adjustments. You signed, you signed John Feliciano. You signed Mitch Morris. You signed Quentin Spain. 
You signed Kutaya Seki, you draft Cody Ford. You look at yep. the whole turnover. And yes, yep. I understood there was nine new starters on that side of the ball. But like you said in an earlier point, if you don't got it by week 17, then when are you going to get it? Is right. that when, when do we begin to question the coach? Like, right. but when do we Continuity. begin to say, well, maybe this game plan sucks? And very many times, there were many times where, I mean, specifically the Browns game, the Eagles game, uh, they're, they're, geez, it's hard to remember off the top of my head. There was a lot of games where Brian, it was like, Brian, Dave, what in the hell are you doing? What is going on? What is you know? going on? Like, why are you having Josh Allen throw 40 times a game when you have Frank Gore and Devin Singletary and Devin Singletary looked the playoff game? Look at the playoff game. You remember what they did? When, they, when Devin Singletary accounted uh, for, what, 50, 60 yards of offense? Right. And then they run Frank Gore off tackle? I was yep. like, They what? did it twice. They did it they, twice to the left. And they lost they did 30 yards. They, did, yeah. they lost 30 yards. Yeah, they well, did that, it twice. That was after Josh Allen's sack. But that's beside the point. You had all of the momentum, and you essentially pissed it away. And no, that like, that – that, I, I've talked about that. I've talked about that Eagles game a, a, a thousand times. He threw it forty times in a hurricane. The wind was blowing. I was at that game. The wind was gusting sixty miles an hour, and it was a constant blow of twenty-five to thirty. It's like, I just, it's, it's amazing to me the, the magic that he captured with John Brown. Um, so like he used John Brown in a way that John Brown had never been used before. So he found this magic and he found this uh, capability, this route running, whatever it is connection that, that that Allen had with John Brown. And then he completely, in my opinion, misuses Devin Singletary and completely misuses Cole Beasley. To which to me, like to me, that offense goes through Cole Beasley, right? Like right. I don't understand they're, they're, he's a great and everybody's talked about it. He's a great offensive designer. He's a horrible play caller. Like I just there's so many times and I've said it ad nauseum. I've said it till I've been blue in the face. Like I just don't understand when you've got a team that's capable of executing a certain offense, why are you trying to do something different until you have to do what you know they can do? Why not just do what you know they can do and like run and like drive the ball down people's throats? It right. just for me there's just a great deal of disconnect. I didn't think he should be fired. So I did get called out on uh, out on that by Twitter. Had oh, I, my, I, oh my God! Don't get me started about the Bills' Twitter with Brian Dayton. It was like <laughs> it was like a flip of a coin, man. There was a day where everyone wanted to fire Brian Dable, and then there was a bunch of people saying they shouldn't. So then they started following that opinion for whatever reason, because it's not, I'm not going to get into it. But it was like a flip of a coin that yep. all of a sudden Brian Dable went from bad guy to good guy like that because simply three people stated their opinions, and everybody tagged yep. along and piggybacked with those opinions. I mean, obviously, that, that's not really the route I'm taking, but I didn't see much difference from the end of the Texans playoff game where, at the end, he, he pretty much botched it. He pretty much botched yeah, the game. Yep, yep. And another thing is, is everybody is people, – people like to pull the excuse – or execution excuse, rather. Oh. The execution excuse. And I said it on yeah. the Bills Guys podcast, another Buffalo Fanatics podcast. Yep, if yep. every play was executed to perfection, there would be no bad plays. That's it, right. Like, is that wrong? Like – do people not realize that if every man did his job, the way it was designed, the way it was drawn up, then why are there ever any bad offenses? And the yep. reason I brought up the allocation, the resource allocation point is because that offense didn't finish top 20. And I don't think a top 20 offense, that's not an offense where you're like, wow, they're really lighting it up every week. Wow. This is good. <laughs> this is, this, this is exceptional. This is exactly sure. what we want. Top 20 is, Okay, we, we we definitely had significant improvement from last season, but you also had significant allocation 
or, or, or allocation of resources to have that yep. improvement. I thought top yep. 20 was more than more than reasonable for my expectations, and they failed to, to, to reach that. And Brian Dable's only had a top 20 offense, I believe, once in his entire coaching career. It hasn't been great. Like his 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 entire professional coaching career has what? not been great. What? Sure. Oh, I, Joe, you're putting it very lightly to say not been great. <laughs> I mean, everybody. The excuse the excuse for Brian Dable. Okay, I was not harping on the guy after 2018. I didn't think that was fair. It's not fair. Like he 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 didn't give him much to work with. Okay, give him something to work with. Okay, then you give him something to work with, and it's not even the best offense he's ever had. And people right, right. were pulling up pulling up excuses of oh this. This is the best talent that he has had as an offensive coordinator. He has never had a really solid quarterback. He's never had a really solid this. He's never had a good head coach, whatever it may be. Bottom line is the Bills allocated more resources to that side of the ball than they have in however many years, and they still couldn't – it still wasn't the best offense he's ever coached in the professional football league. That's just – that's just asinine. That's that's, – it's it's just almost hard to believe, honestly. Nope, that's uh, you're you're preaching to the choir. So I'm I'm uh, I'm in the same boat that you're in. And it, it, there's an aspect to me. I just want to see some, I want to see something different. And it and and even in the changes that were made inside the season. So he's on the sideline and the offense is is abysmal. He goes up into the box and doing whatever he's doing up there. And they they change the way they're playing. They're doing more not hurry up, but more of a, a fast paced offense. And then as soon as it's it's successful, they stop doing it. And like they never even return to it. And I just and I, I get that Sean McDermott is a leader and he's a leader of man. And I love, I'm a student of leadership and I love Sean McDermott. And I know that he wants to be the CEO and he wants his guys to run the defense and he wants his guy to run the offense and he doesn't necessarily get involved, but at some point in time, and I know that he kicked him in the pants. It's he kicked, he kicked Dable in the shorts at some point during the season. There was just a second kick that needed that was needed. And it just never came. And the, the reality is, is it costs us the Texans game. Like, in my opinion, it costs yeah. us the Texans game. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. And the kick the, the kick was that he got was when he got kicked up to the booth. When he, right. got put, when he got put in the booth and Sean McDermott was answering for his abysmal offensive coordinator with his abysmal play calling on a weekly basis. Yep. Because it's not a matter of, Coach McDermott, why does the defense suck? Why is the why is the defense allowing X points per game? No, he is answering questions for why the offense can't score points. That's right. And uh, I think, I, honest to goodness, I believe it was far more the coach or the coordinator than it was anything else. And when and, and these guys are coworkers, they're professionals. Let's not yep. let's not get misguided about this. These guys are professionals. They go to work every day. They see each other every single day. And I mean, they, they, they are not going to beat around the bush. They're not going to call them out in meetings and say, Brian, the offense sucks. You're the reason why we're losing. You're going to the booth. No, that's it's not as easy as that. It's not as simple as that. But it's we need a change. We need adjustment. Let's see what happens when we do this. And then they, I believe they average over 26 points per game over the next three games. Yep. And, but and then they every, sing, every single loss they had this season, they never scored more than 20 points. That's right. They never scored that's more right. than 20 points. And that's right. I, I, you, your offense needs to score more than 20 points when you allocate that many resources. And you have the seventh overall draft pick from 2018 back there. Yeah, and I, and I know that there's something to be said. And again, you know, you could speak more to this than I can. Um, there's something about thinking. And Josh Allen, in his progression and in his development, he has proven, and he proved it this year, getting back to the the faster pace, up upbeat offense, not hurry up, but upbeat, up tempo offense. Mm-hmm. When Josh Allen is not required to think, when things are a little bit more 
directed and kind of pre-scripted as far as where the ball is supposed to go based on the defensive coverage, yada, yada, you know, three steps, drop and fire, five steps, drop and fire. He is a much better, more effective, almost dominant quarterback versus seven steps, bouncing around back there, waiting for long developing wide receivers, like plays for the wide receivers to open up. And then he just gets a little bit nervous and he's clearly not wanting to run. You know, he wasn't wanting to run this year. It just, I just don't understand why you don't go with, you know, Hey, look, dude, this is working. We're going to, we're going to work this thing until you're ready. And you know what? I believe you can be ready and I believe that we'll get there. But for right now, this is working. We're going to win some games. So just settle in because this is what we're going to do. And I think it just came down to Dable wanting to do whatever Dable wanted to do, regardless of the guys that he had, which comes back to the execution piece. It wasn't about guys not executing plays perfectly. Mm -hmm. It was about the fact that the guys couldn't execute because they weren't good enough to do it. And that was, that was the frustration for me about this word execution all season long as, as the, 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 the podcast junkies and the people that are on Twitter are coming out talking about, well, execution, it's all about the execution. The reality is if a guy isn't good enough, it's not about execution. At that point, it's on the coach, period. You're asking him to do something. You're asking Pat DeMarco to run a deep ball and, 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 and basically you know jump up for a 50-50 ball. The dude has no vertical, right? And you're asking him to out-jump a cornerback or a defensive back. It's just, you're, you're just, that's not an execution issue. That's not Pat DeMarco executing improper, like poorly. That's him not being, he can't do it. Like, oh, uh, it's just, oh, are we going, are we going to the fullback running the wheel route and the uh, yes. 280 pound tight end running the go in the playoffs? Is that what yes. we're going to? Yes. That's, uh, that's, that's in, what in I was In overtime, right? <laughs> yes. That's yeah, what I'm okay. talking about. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I oh, you're going to get, <laughs> you're going to get an overreaction out of that. Meanwhile, meanwhile, people are blaming Josh Allen for the throw, but it wasn't the best throw. But it was was the throw. Like, well, guess what? If it was John Brown, that's a touchdown. Right. Probably. Probably. (laughs) That's a touchdown. But no, it was a 240 pound fullback that probably hasn't run a wheel route since college. Right. Right. Like, oh, my goodness, guy. Like, you have like, here's the thing about Brian Dable is his job with a young quarterback when developing a young quarterback. His job is to minimize the margin of error for Josh Allen. In my opinion, that is his job. Yeah, to minimize agreed. the margin of error. When you have a guy that is perceived as a project, perceived as, okay, he's a bit raw. He needs to be developed. His job is to minimize the margin of error. And I feel like he threw Josh Allen to the Wolves on more than one occasion, and normally oh, yeah, on the sure. occasions that with the, in which the Bills lost. That for is sure. what happened, okay? Because the Bills scored a touchdown in their playoff game, and it was on the first drive, and it was – on a trick play where the receiver threw a touchdown to the quarterback like that, like that was the best play call you had. Yep. yep. You, that, you was, pulled, that was the only flow he had. The only trick out of your hat on the first drive of the <laughs> game. The only trick, because after that it was the same old Dable, the, the Dable special. That was the only thing they had was yep, the trick play where the, where the receiver throws the ball to the quarterback. The Philly that special. It. That's it. That, 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 yep. that was it. Like that's yep. all he had. Like, after that, it was like, all right, well, looks like we beat the Texans. I'm going to get the first flight back to Buffalo. And that was that. And the, the Bills were sent home packing against a team that I thought was inferior. Against a no, team we, that I wanted, that I felt that they matched up with the best. And yeah, it was the same them. case in a different game, where Josh Allen was forced to do things that, well, he really shouldn't be doing. That <laughs> he, Excuse me. He was put in positions yep. with a 280-pound tight end on the field <laughs> with a fullback running a wheel route and people are ridiculing him for throwing the ball to the wheel route. Well, the wheel route was open. He just packed Marcos to stop back. That's really what it was. <laughs> and he I can't mean, jump. And he can't jump because he's a fullback and fullbacks. Uh, like, he can, like I, I don't understand. I don't understand where the, the love for Dable comes in because 
Well, yeah, it's continuity. It's wrapped up in continuity. It, we ended the season. The love for Dable was wrapped up in this word, this other word like execution called continuity. Like, oh, oh this continuity. team is going to perform so much better if, if we hold withhold the continuity. And I'm You're like, not wait a minute. I thought, coach. You're not firing the head coach. <laughs> is it not still technically continuity? When yep. you took the 2019 quarterbacks coach and made him the offensive coordinator, is that not continuity? It is. Is that not the guy in the same room with the same quarterback with the same offense? Well, largely the same offense. Yep. Like, obviously, it wouldn't be the same scheme. Obviously, it wouldn't be the exact same playbook. But it's still continuity, is it not? It is. That that, that was the route I was hoping that I was hoping to see them go. But obviously, yeah. that's not how things work now. Brian Dable's going to be the offensive coordinator in 2020. And I, I, I'm cleaning the slate. I will clean the slate for Brian Dable. I, we'll, we'll see who they add. We'll see the pieces they add. And we'll see how many resources they allocate to that side of the ball. I, I mean, we, we we talked about it earlier in the show, the need for a wide receiver on this team. We don't know yep. how they're going to add one. We talked about the possible need for a guard or a tackle, depending on what they feel Cody Ford is best fit to play. So we'll see where they feel that they all oh, want a complimentary running back. I'll, I'm very interested to see who and where they'll add a complimentary running back to Devin Singletary in either, dra- either the draft or free agency, excuse me. So – I'm clean. Wait, 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 wait. I'm confused in the complimentary running back thing. You brought it up, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it for a second. Okay. I don't understand why there's this. I I don't I don't correlate or equate the use of Devin Singletary in 2019 and the limited touches he got with how dynamic he was. I don't think that that correlates that he needs a better running back or, or, or a better compliment, like, a, you know, a workhorse or whatever. So, so to, to put it in perspective and this might date me and, and, and outdate you a little bit. So Kenny Davis kind of played that Devin Singletary role back in the nineties. Kenny touched the ball five to seven times and he was kind of like the opposite guy. And he did the other thing when Thurman was getting a rest. I don't think that Devin Singletary needs a Thurman Thomas to make him better. I think Devin right. Singletary's the guy. Am right. I wrong? No, no, I, I agree with you. I believe Devin Singletary is running back one. I think right. I think he's extremely talented. I think he's scrappy. I don't think he's far. That's the thing about Devin Singletary's skill set that's so interesting to me is Devin Singletary isn't exactly a power running back. He's not right. He's not a guy that's 240 pounds and he's going to run over linebackers and defensive tackles, but he's right. not a guy that's going to run a 4-4 and sprint to the end zone for 60 yards every other touch. He is a multidimensional, multifaceted running back that you can really compliment either way however you choose to compliment him. I'm not sitting here saying you need a running back because Devin Singletary isn't capable of carrying the load. I'm saying you need another running back because Frank Gore just retired and you don't really have an answer behind Devin Singletary because God forbid he gets injured. God forbid right, he, right. he gets hurt. But I feel like there's a lot of value with running backs. You can add a guy that's explosive and he can get right. those five to seven touches and be a piece in your offense and be just, just a, a, a potent part. Or you can get a power back, run between the tackles, and change right. the pace. There's right. they can I, they can choose either type of running back to complement Devin Singletary. It's I'm gonna be it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see rather how they choose to complement. Agreed. Gotcha. So we are getting we are long in the tooth. We are getting uh, late in this program, and I promised some folks that you were gonna answer some questions. So I put it out there that you were gonna answer the questions regardless of what the questions were. And I said, if, you know, by force if possible. That was before that I I found out you were six foot three and like two hundred. What did you say? Two hundred and forty pounds. 
Roughly, yeah. <laughs> so a lot, a lot bigger than I am. So if you don't want to answer, I'm not going to force you to answer, but this is going to be fun. So uh, the first tweet I got is from Joey V, at JoeyV2988. He says, and this is this is going to be interesting, Godzilla, the, Lo- the Loch Ness Monster, and Bigfoot all come to a Bills game. Whose autograph do they want first on their Bills hat? Oh, that, that was Josh Allen. I, Josh I, Allen. It's got to be Josh Allen. The, <laughs> I was at the London Stars memorabilia expo, and if you had seen the line of people lined up to sign, to get Josh Allen's signature, and and just like the price that they were charging for this, for, for to get the chance to take a picture with or get something signed by right. Josh Allen, like I, I was staggered at the amount of people that filled up that casino. It, it was a very, <laughs> it was a very successful day, and I, I think without a doubt, no matter who it would be, whether it's Loch Ness Monster, Godzilla, whoever it would be, <laughs> they would watch Josh Allen's signature because one day. I'm not the type of person that where if I get a signature, if I get a piece of memorabilia that I would sell it on eBay, I understand there's a lot of people that do those types of things. Right, right. But that signature, I feel, will one day be worth a lot of money. So I, I absolutely need Josh Allen. My daughter wants to marry him, so it's yeah. So we're, I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna be in one of those lines. Oh, don't with worry, my, my, my girlfriend so. does too. So. <laughs> All right, next one, uh, Vorian. I can't pronounce his last names. Uh, that, that's always the risk with these. If you ever do these, like, hey, hey, t- tweet me, like you run the risk of not being able to pronounce people's names. Vorian Atrides, so at Amish Rifle 8987, just bought a female ferret. Should I name her Mickey after McDermott or Jordan after Poyer? Mickey, because Mickey <laughs> sounds far more original, and I like the reasoning a lot more. <laughs> I agree with that one, too. Uh, Viva El Pancho, you know who he is, at, at Be Cool Fool. Uh, who would win in a chicken wing eating contest, Josh Allen or Sam the Mono Darnold? Also, What's your Bills mock draft? You don't have to do the mock draft. We already beat that one to death. It'd be, so who's, it'd be Josh who's winning? I think I, so. I've got I've got in New York City. I've had those atrocious excuse for wings. <laughs> I think Josh Allen would would win it by head and shoulders simply because the the, the wings are edible. I mean, if they funny. if they were both in Buffalo and they were eating wings, I still think it'd be Josh Allen hands down. Still be Josh I, Allen. I think I think he has slightly more experience. I think I'm more disturbed about the fact that Josh Allen and Sam Darnold are like best buds. It's one thing to, like Jim Kelly and Dan Marino were friends back in the day, but we didn't like see them hanging out with each other like on Instagram and on Twitter. Like that just to me is, yeah, I just, could you, could we not be friends with Sam Darnold? It's just, but that's, that's. I mean, I think, I think it's cool. I think it's pretty neat simply because I feel like Josh Allen's a better quarterback right now and he's on, he's on a better trajectory. Yeah. But that, that's the only reason. If, it, if the rules were flipped, I'd be like, ah, uh, no. That's true. <laughs> Last one, Brian uh, Brian Rosenall, at Brian Rosenall 1. What are the most likely directions in free agency to hit your wagon to? Ooh, most likely directions. I mean, that the interpretation of that, like the positions that I'm targeting, the, the way I explain the needs and, and where they rank is 1A is an edge rusher, and 1B yep. is a wide receiver. Agreed. And then I think everything after that is up to interpretation, up to preference, up to opinion. In my opinion, number three is cornerback, and number two, number four is running back. That That's that's how I scale out the, the needs this offseason. I think we're in the same boat. Bro, I thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I've never – you and I talked a while, a while ago, like I said, and it just having a guest or having somebody kind of to, to vibe off of, a bounce off of, it was something that I said I wanted to do. So thank you so much for being the first uh, for me. I appreciate it. Um, you can find Clayton Garrett, uh, as I said earlier, on the Overtime Podcast. You can also find him as the co-host of the Cold Front Report. And you can find him on Twitter at CFR Clayton. Any last words before I cut you loose? Well, Joe, I want to thank you for having me on. Thank you for uh, 
ask me to come on your pod, let alone be the first guest that you have on, uh, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at CFR Clayton. Go ahead and follow the Colfer Report on Twitter, yeah, Facebook, Instagram. You know, yeah, we, we, we're constantly grinding out content. It's always a constant grind. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's fun. We all enjoy our time. We all enjoy each other. We're going to have our live show coming back here very soon on the Facebook page. The podcast, the Overtime Podcast, Jeffy Vino and I, we're going to be producing a new episode. We're going to be recording tomorrow, actually. We'll be nice. recording tomorrow. That will probably be coming out later this week. Nice. Uh, I can't give you an exact date just yet. I'm having uh, technical difficulties with my laptop. But, yeah, Joe, <laughs> thank you very much for having me on. It was my pleasure. I love I love being your guest. I'd be more than happy to come on again. Hopefully, Oh, we're doing this again. We're doing this again, bro. This oh, is, is going to happen again. So I appreciate it, man. Have a great night. You too. Thank you for having me, Joe. Thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in to the Overreaction Sports Podcast. I am your host, Joe Miller, and you can find me on Twitter, as always, at Joe Miller Wired. I hope the offseason is finding you guys well. I hope that uh, you guys are settling in for free agency, which is in two weeks. I believe the draft is, what, about uh, five weeks away now, maybe six weeks away. I'm not exactly sure. But we're all looking forward to that. You'll find me again here probably in about two weeks as well. I'll have a show that uh, that, that hits the air uh, draft, or I should say free agency week. And then I'll probably have a follow-up show the week after, just after you know free agency has opened and, and some of the melee has taken place. Uh, but I do appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in. Sorry the show was a little bit long, but hopefully you enjoyed it. As always, Bills Mafia, go Bills. check out thebuffalofanatics.com where you'll find unique digital content about the Buffalo Bills and articles about anything from schemes, game planning, personnel moves, all the way to comedy and even fan fiction. You can find Buffalo Fanatics content on all major social media platforms. Where else would you rather be? Let's go Bills. Fantasy sports and had no idea what you're doing? Have you set your lineups not knowing how to fully optimize it? Draft Dashboard's Daily Fantasy Sports Optimizer saves you a ton of research and time building optimized, winning Daily Fantasy Sports lineups. Draft Dashboard Daily Fantasy Tools show players with the best value, optimal stats, defensive matchups, and so much more. Use Draft Dashboard Daily Fantasy Sports Lineup Optimizer for just $1 and skyrocket your daily fantasy success playing at sites like DraftKings and FanDuel. Works with NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL. Just go to draftdashboard.net and fully optimize your lineups for just $1. Go to draftdashboard.net today.